the humble wristwatch has undergone a massive evolution in the past decade. Now it not only tells the time, but also when you should move. It can track your exercise, how poorly you've slept and take incoming calls. But what if it could heal a broken heart? Hi, I'm Liz Foskia. Welcome to Tech Now, a podcast about Australian innovations that are shaping the future. Each episode, we chat to great tech thinkers who are changing the world thanks to the Global Connections Fund, a project run by the Australian Academy of Technology and Engineering and supported by the Australian Government. Heart disease is the leading cause of death in Australia. It claims 21 lives every day. And heart attack results in 56,000 people admitted to hospital every year. It can take several weeks and possibly up to several months to recover from a heart attack, but individual recovery is dependent on a range of factors. One of those is how strictly the patient adheres to their treatment plan. And that's where Associate Professor Nicole Freen comes in. Nicole is a physiotherapist based at the University of Canberra who's developed an app-based exercise program designed to improve the health of older people at risk of a repeat heart attack. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Liz. First, tell me a bit about yourself. How did you go from being a physiotherapist to an app designer? Okay, so I've been a physio for over 20 years. And in that time, I've mainly worked in hospital rehabilitation settings. And in particular, I've worked in cardiac rehab. So about 10 years ago, I became interested in finding ways to encourage people to be more physically active uh, beyond cardiac rehab and maybe even before cardiac rehab uh, so they could prevent a heart attack. Cardiac rehab is a program that helps people reduce their risk of having another heart attack. But we knew that people weren't moving enough and um, I wanted to look at ways at doing that. So it brought me to doing my PhD and then ending up at it, um, the University of Canberra. So why are some of the reasons why people are afraid of moving? Yeah. Yeah, so of course this is a huge event that has happened to them and they see their life flash before their eyes. Often they're really scared of moving again after a heart attack because they're scared they're going to have another one. Their families are also really scared. So it is hard for them to get moving again and um, cardiac rehab is a great program to give them support and encourage them and guide them and supervise them and get them going again to get them moving, but we're still not doing good enough. So tell me about this program. What does it involve? There was a company that we connected with as part of the bridging grant. The bridging grant needed to involve an international collaboration. So Onmi are a um, small business based in the Netherlands and they had developed this app. What it does is it encourages people to do something different. It provides them with little small suggestions on ways they can change their behaviour. The goal is to try and break up habits. So I thought this sounded like a great idea. This is something that I wanted to to look at using a behaviour change intervention within cardiac rehab to encourage people to move more and sit less. And um, this was a subtle way of encouraging people to do that without directly telling them to do that. So we adapted the app that they had developed according to the Australian Physical Activity and Sedentary Behaviour Guidelines and the Cardiac Rehab Guidelines to encourage our cardiac rehab patients to move more and sit less. Because I guess as a physiotherapist, you might have been used to, or, you know, I know when I've gone to a physiotherapist, they they give you a whole, a little bit of paper and sometimes now little exercises that you can access on your phone. And then you go home and you do them the first 
maybe three days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, maybe never again. So what's different about this app? It is trying to change your behaviour in a subtle way. And what we actually talk about is making people more behaviourally flexible. So when you can do something a little bit different every time, it helps you break up long-term behaviours. So what we actually found with prior research to this project was cardiac rehab patients were only moving about 10 minutes per day meeting the physical activity guidelines, which is moderate intensity physical activity for about 30 minutes a day. And they were sitting for about 11 hours per day. So with this app, um, it was a six-week program. It provided these little small actions, which we call do's, little small suggestions on ways they could change their behaviour. And these little small actions that we were suggesting were really small, so they could achieve that, and they were very subtle changes to their behaviour. And by doing that, you know, we're really trying to, to change that, that habit. They received three do's a week and 18. Um, maximum over the six-week period in conjunction with the cardiac rehab program. And we were hoping that that would start moving them along and, and lead to long-term behaviour change. And what were some of the suggestions that they're receiving? Yeah, so this is the really interesting bit. Um, and this is what really appealed to me as a researcher when I saw the program that um, Onmi had developed. So trying to change people's behavioural flexibility, one of the things they talk about, Sander, um, who's the developer, when we sit and eat at the dining table with our family, we usually sit in the same chair. I know we do. I don't know if you do, but a lot of people sit in exactly the same chair. I actually sit on the couch. Oh, well, <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> but if you were sitting at the dinner table, usually, you know, mum, dad sits somewhere, the kids sit somewhere else. And one of the suggestions, one of the do's is just try sitting in a different chair that night and look at the world from a, a different perspective and see if this changes it up for you. One of the other do's was if you are watching television, have you put, got the remote in a certain spot every time? Why not put the remote in a different place or put your phone in a, a different place so it encourages you to get up and move to that spot without it directly telling them to do that? But it was um, suggesting that they put their phone or their remote in a different place that night and, and see what happened. That's interesting. So by sitting in a different chair, does it just change the way your brain thinks? You move a little bit differently because of that? The theory is because you are trying something different, you become more flexible in your behaviours. And then by becoming more flexible in your behaviours, you can adapt in different ways to different situations instead of being so stuck in a habit that you only always behave in this certain way. So it really is an indirect way to try and get people to move more and, and sit less. And change their lifelong habits. Absolutely, yeah. It's the first step. Yeah. Wow. The technology, I guess, is the same as any app? Is, is it, you know, is an alert that comes up on your phone? How does it work? Yeah, so the bridging grant that we received, uh, it allowed us, as I said, to adapt the, the app that they'd already started developing. And they'd been working on this for quite a while and gone through co-design processes. But we made the app more attractive. And what happens with the app is the do's that come out, these little small actions that we're suggesting, we adapted them to the Australian Physical activity and sedentary behaviour guidelines and the cardiac rehab guidelines. So not all the do's were about moving more and sitting less, only about a third were to do with that. 
and the other two-thirds were just different behaviours, like I suggested, you know, sitting at a different um, chair at night time at the dining table. And these were sent as push notifications, about three a week and 18 over the six-week period. But the, the really cool thing about this was that these do's were actually personalised. So the app actually asked people to complete a, a questionnaire at the start of the program and it asked them about their behaviours. And then what it also did was it connected to a Fitbit and it used the physical activity data from the Fitbit and it also used GPS data from the app and it put those things together to give you some scores in three different domains. So one of those domains was physical activity so you could see how many steps per day you were doing. One of them was social opportunity and the last one was variety. So that combined the physical activity data and the GPS data and told people if they were doing something completely different that they'd never done before. I see. So because I was wondering, I have a Fitbit. Like I said, it used to prompt me to move. It it doesn't anymore because the batteries died. Mm -hmm. But this is different to that, isn't it? It builds on the basic capability of someone's Fitbit or their iPhone, which tells you to move every couple of, you know, minutes or whatever it is. If you haven't moved that hour, it gives you a little prompt. This is a lot more than that, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because it does combine that data along with the GPS data. And then by doing that, you can see your scores in those domains, but then it's sending out these personalised do's depending on where you're sitting on a scale. At the start of the program, it actually sets your baseline. So it's all relative to what you're doing. And then it it, it looks for changes in that and encourages you um, to change your behaviour by sending out these personalised do's. Is there an average person who is likely to have a heart attack? Who are the people we're looking at here when you're talking about this sort of program? Who are you aiming at? Yeah, so in cardiac rehab research around the world, the average person is a tertiary educated male who's 65 years old. So that's the the average age and demographic of someone that's coming into the program. But we do know we are getting younger people coming through. You know, we talk about this tsunami of chronic disease and obesity and type 2 diabetes, which are all risk factors for for heart disease. So we've had people in their 20s that have attended cardiac rehab and then you have, you know, the other end of the spectrum as well, people in their 90s. But the average is that 65-year-old male. So 65-year-olds nowadays are reasonably tech-savvy, but perhaps not so much. Did you have to do anything particular to try and tailor the program to them? Yeah, so this was um, really surprising, actually, because you would think that, that they are, you know, pretty good. But we actually really struggled with that. People really struggled with working out whether their phone had the correct operating system to use the app. They didn't know where to look that up. They didn't know how to download the app. They couldn't, didn't know where the app store was. Um, so they needed help downloading the app. They needed help um, linking the Fitbit to the app. So they required a lot more support than we thought. We also found that a third of the people that we asked to take part in the study were eligible for the study. One of the main reasons they weren't eligible was they didn't have a smartphone. So obviously you had to have a smartphone to be part of this study. And there was quite a high percentage that didn't. Right. And then even if they did, they didn't know how to use it. They could speak to the grandkids, you know, so they could receive basic texts and make calls. But they they really hadn't gone into the app side of things. So how did you sort of get about that? Did that involve just a lot more instructions or how did it work? There were five updates of the app over the course of the study, which was only four months, just to make it easier for people to use and interpret 
also for the app to interpret the data that it was getting. We provided written instructions. We had one of the research assistants uh, ring them a week after they started the program just to make sure that they had downloaded the app, they could use it, they were getting the dues, everything was working okay. And the other interesting thing, it wasn't just the the, uh, patients that were having difficulties, even some of the cardiac rehab staff were not really all over how to use an app on a phone. So we had to educate them as well so they could help the patients when they came in for their cardiac rehab sessions. So you've talked about this study. How many people have you had involved in these trials? So the bridging grant allowed us to run this feasibility study and it really was just a feasibility study so there were only 20 participants but it allowed us to iron out some of these issues. And as a result of the feasibility study, we're now doing a a larger multi-centre randomised control trials. So, so valuable to do that because all of these things that we didn't necessarily think may be a problem, it allowed us to sort through that and develop all those resources and supports to help people use the intervention. I know it's early days yet, but have you had any initial results that you can sort of point to? The multi-centre RCT that we've just, well, it actually started last year, but then COVID hit. So we had to stop recruitment. Uh, So we're still recruiting for that. The feasibility study, as I said, there were only 20 people. There was a decrease in sitting time over that period, um, which was the main thing we're really focusing on. But With 20 people in a single cohort study, we can't really say whether it definitely um, decreased sitting time. So that's why we're doing the the larger study. So opportunities out there for people to participate, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But unfortunately, and, you know, we don't want anybody to do this, so the the only way you can be a participant is be in cardiac rehab and... um, yeah, we don't want you running out and have a heart attack just if you're getting into the study. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. But that's how you're recruiting. You're going yeah. through people that may have had a heart attack who might be listening to this. Could what, go to their GP? How would they find out about it? So they actually need to be attending one of the three cardiac rehab programs here in Canberra. So the cardiac rehab teams are recruiting them for us. So they actually have to be participating in cardiac rehab in one of those programs here in Canberra. So what are your hopes for this whole program and the app? What are your hopes for it? Yeah, look, of course we're hoping uh, that it will work and increase the length of the program from six weeks to six months in the larger study. And we're hoping over a 12-month period that the app actually reduces the number of hospitalisations, unplanned hospitalisations and visits to emergency departments compared to the group that didn't have the app. And of course, we're also hoping that it decreases their sitting time or sedentary behaviour and increases their physical activity levels. Now, if that happens and it works, we're hoping... um, to promote this as an adjunct to cardiac rehab here in Australia. And then we're also thinking, you know, this could be a really good adjunct to a lot of rehabilitation programs for a lot of different chronic diseases because physical activity and sedentary behaviour are risk factors for a number of different chronic diseases such as cancer, type 2 diabetes, etc. And do you see that you might get a bit of interest in your app? You might be able to sell it to, to someone to make a bit of money out of it. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, this resulted from the international collaboration with a small business. So on me are very much, you know, we're very much working towards that and working with them to provide the evidence to show that this works. So, yeah, absolutely, that would be the plan in the longer term. We're just so grateful to have had that funding um, from the bridging grant to allow us to do to do the feasibility study. This is obviously really important. One in three heart attacks are repeat events and if we 
can try and prevent people from having another heart attack by helping them to move more and sit less. This is a really important thing. So um, we're looking forward to the results of the, the larger RCT. That was Nicole Freen, one of the recipients of the Global Connections Bridging Grant, part of the Global Innovation Strategy of the National Innovation and Science Agenda. For more stories about world-changing innovations, go to atsi.org.au forward slash technow. Thanks for listening.